It's good to see all of you that are at the 10 o'clock service of the Hills, North Christian Hills campus. And it's good that those of you online have joined us. Uh, I can't see you, but you can see us. And thank you for being a part of the community that really is all over the world online. So we've been in this series I've titled Unlimited. And here's what we're doing. We're taking a special part of the book of Acts, chapters 9 through 15, to ask this question. How did this Jesus thing that started in Jerusalem, and it was only reaching one city, and it was only reaching one race, and it had really no intentions of going beyond that, how did it become a global, multicultural, multi-ethnic movement? All of us that are sitting here today, for the most part, were not a part of what the early church looked like. It reached past its cultural and its ethnic and its racial and its religious traditions to reach people like us. So we're asking how that happened. And one of the reasons is because we're getting ready for our harvest weekend where we are trying to reach the world for Jesus. We want to be the church that we see in the book of Acts. So we've been taking a chapter a week. But I want to take uh, not a break from the series, but a little different approach today. I want to look at a number of chapters in Acts today because... One thing you notice as you read the book of Acts is that the early church thought baptism was very important. In fact, as you read Acts, there is not one single instance of anyone saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe this good news. I want to respond to the gospel that did not get baptized. You don't have a single story of anyone who didn't want to be baptized. Not one story that looked a little bit like this video clip. Watch it with me. Now, therefore, in obedience to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him as your personal Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my brother, Ethan Key, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, as we are buried with Christ in the likeness of his death. Lean back. Lean back. Lean back. Let go. Lean back. So are we raised in the glorious beauty of his resurrection. Did you know that the New Testament never even considers the notion of an unbaptized Christian? If you would have told an early Christian you were an unbaptized Christian, they would not have understood what you were talking about. Now, I realize today we have different traditions and different teachings on baptism, and all of us at some level have a limited understanding. But I'd like you just to explore some scriptures with me, and I'm going to start with a bold statement. That baptism is expected of every Jesus believer in the New Testament. Often today you'll hear a question, is baptism necessary? The New Testament never addresses that question. Because nobody ever asked it. No one in the early days of the movement asked, well, is baptism necessary? For the apostles, it was pretty simple. Jesus did it, and Jesus told them to do it. So, for example, the very first time the gospel is publicly proclaimed is in Acts chapter 2. And Peter preaches the death and the resurrection of Jesus. People's hearts are touched. They want to respond. What do I do with this news I've just heard? Here's what Peter said. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Notice, he's not making a rule. He's making a promise. He's not given an order. He's given an invitation. This is good news. Come and get in on this thing that God is offering you through Jesus. Because they didn't see baptism as an addition to your faith. They saw baptism as an expression of your faith. Baptism was the way that you publicly declared, what I just heard, I think is true, and I'm going to line up my life with that news. And so, uh, verse 41, a few verses later, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You see that pattern all through Acts. If they accept the word, they get baptized. In chapter 8, when... uh, Philip goes up into Samaria and preaches the word. It says, when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. In fact, later in that same chapter, the Spirit sends Philip out to a road to see a guy in a chariot from Ethiopia. He gets up in the chariot, they talk Jesus, they read some scripture, and here's what happened. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? You see, the question the first believers asked was not, do I have to get baptized? The question they asked is, why can't I get baptized right now? Because I believe this story. So, for example, we saw Saul on the way to Damascus and Jesus meets him. He's blinded for three days and for three days he fasts and prays. Ananias comes. We saw this in Acts 9. His blindness leaves immediately. Saul got up and got baptized. Then he went back to the house and got some food. Now, think about that. He's not eaten for three days. He doesn't say fix some lunch. He said, let's go get baptized. Then let's come back and have lunch. Or in chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. God sends an earthquake. The jailer cannot believe they don't run for it. He says, what's going on with you guys? They share the gospel with him. Verse 33, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. And then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. So over and over, you see this kind of passion and excitement. Baptism wasn't something do I have to do. Baptism was, why can't I do it right now? I can't wait to do it. They had the same kind of passion for baptism that this guy has in this video clip. Watch this with me. Now, we call that power baptism. I can only assume that this guy watches WrestleMania. I was nervous about letting Meyer watch this technique because you know how excited he gets. Now, this is my favorite one right here. I mean, that's what you call getting baptized, right? Well, the early Christians had that level of passion. In fact, remember Acts 10, we saw that story where Peter preaches to Cornelius, realizes that God wants all to get saved. The Spirit descends, and Peter says, verse 48, So he ordered them to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, in all the years I've preached, I have never ordered anybody to get baptized. But I have strongly urged, and that's what I'm going to do this morning. 
I'm going to extend the most blessed invitation. My job has a lot of perks, but there's no one better than this. I get every week to invite people to join the Jesus story and be baptized. And I want to take a few moments and just show you how unlimited that invitation is. This invitation is so huge, it can't be limited by my past sins. Now, I've had this conversation many times with people. I, I, I want to become a Christian. I want to get baptized, but I can't because I'm not good enough to follow Jesus. And here's what I always say. I don't follow Jesus because I'm so good. I follow Jesus because I'm too bad to do anything else. Now, seriously, I mean that. I am not going to stand before God and present my goodness. I know I'm a flawed person. I'll never get it all figured out. I'll never get it right. I'm going to stand before God and present the goodness of Jesus on my behalf. Now, I don't know what kind of past you've had. But I doubt I'm talking to anybody right now that arrested and murdered Christians. But Saul did. And the invitation was for him. He said in 1 Timothy 1, this was a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. And then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Because see, the gospel is not good advice. I'm not up here trying to tweak people. The gospel is good news. Jesus didn't come to clean up good people. He came to raise up dead people. Because we were all dead in our sins. And so baptism is this plunge into the wonder and the magnificence of the gracious gospel of God. We believe the reach of the blood of Jesus is unlimited. It's our way of saying there is nothing you've done. That cannot be washed away by what Jesus did. It can erase anything. And it can include anyone. Because this invitation is so big, it's not limited by my present status. Now, we've all been to pools with signs that said you weren't welcome. Maybe the sign said kiddie pool. Or maybe the sign said uh, class taking place at this time. I even remember as a boy seeing a sign one time outside a pool that said it was only for people of one race. There are no signs at the pool of baptism. Everybody is welcome. And through the practice of baptism, the first Christians were making a powerful statement about the reconciling power of the gospel. We've been talking about this the last few weeks. That this early movement did something the world had never seen. It started breaking down cultural and ethnic and racial walls. They baptized everybody. They baptized women. Even though they grew up in a religion that said women don't get the same privileges men get. They baptized people of other races, even though they were told to have contempt for them. They baptized people no matter what their profession, sorcerers and soldiers and people they had been told were not worthy. They baptized you no matter what your economic status was. And I just want you for a moment to try to grasp how huge this is, because we just take it for granted that anybody can get baptized. If you were Saul as a boy, every Jewish boy was taught a prayer. 
They prayed it every day. It went like this. I thank thee, O God, maker of heaven and earth, that I was not born a Gentile, that I was not born a slave, and that I was not born a woman. Saul prayed that prayer hundreds and thousands of times. He knew what he was saying when he wrote Galatians chapter 3. So in Christ Jesus, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I can't pray that prayer anymore. I've been baptized into a different story. And I don't look at people the way I was taught to look at people. You see, the world constantly limits people with a label. And this world is so divided and it's so fractious and it's so messed up. And we're so uh, pick your side, pick your team and hate the other. And we can't seem to educate our way past it. And we can't seem to legislate our way past it. And I'm saying the only thing that is going to erase the distinctions between people is the realization that we are all sinners in desperate need of the grace of God. And in baptism, the church declares we're not going to look at people anymore through the lens of a label. We're going to look at all people through the lens of the gospel. And we only see in the church two kinds of people. The people that are in Christ. And the people who are still in their sins and who need to be told the gospel so that they can be in Christ. And we put no limits on who can be in Christ. All are invited to embrace the challenge of following Jesus. And it is a challenge. But you see, this invitation is so big, it's not limited even by my future struggles. And I want to be real clear about something. Baptism does not drown the devil. Now, you'll hear some preachers on TV that will tell you, you just come to Christ and send me some money and I promise all your problems will go away. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So, I'm going with what Jesus said, not the preacher on TV. Life is hard. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you'll never get cancer. It doesn't mean you won't lose your job. It doesn't mean your marriage won't be hard. And Satan is always there with his own invitation. He'll invite you to abandon the way of Jesus for a way that promises more immediate gratification. With the bed... Or a bottle. Or a boat. But you see in the waters of baptism. I see the reflection of the story I signed up for. And when I fall and when I sin and when the devil accuses me. I see in that water the reminder that the blood of Jesus is continually washing me. And washing away my sins. And when I go to a funeral. Or I reflect on my own mortality. 
I see reflected in that water the reminder I have already died. The only death that really matters. And the second death can't really touch me. And when the weariness comes, and it comes, and I get tired. I get tired of the evil. I get tired of the suffering. I get tired of the hypocrisy. I get tired of my own flawed flesh. But then I see in that water a reflection of the story I signed up for. You see, when I got baptized, I was declaring to the world a certain future that I anticipate. Here's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. For you died to this life. He's talking about your baptism. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. Do you know what baptism is? Baptism is resurrection practice. In every baptism, we are declaring to the world, this is our story, that God is not through with this world. That darkness doesn't get the last word. That things are going to get made right. That Jesus is going to come again. My story is this. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. And I believe in the resurrection that Jesus Christ will come again. That's my story. Now you've got to pick a narrative you're going to live by. That's the story I'm choosing. That's my story. And here's the irony. Satan understands better than we do the power of that story. You see, in baptism, God invites me to join his never the same story. And Satan's up against it, and he knows it. He understands the power of union with Christ better than most of us do. I've told before, Malcolm Smith, he's an evangelist from Britain. But he has a friend that pastors in California. There were these three young women, they were friends in college. Two of them moved to California. The third stays behind, gets involved with the boy, gets involved in the occult. They get involved in some pretty ugly and dark stuff. She becomes a witch. He calls himself a sorcerer. She goes to see her old friends, doesn't know that they've become Christians. They take her on Saturday night to their church. She gets so convicted, she stays up all night studying Scripture and on Sunday morning asks to get baptized. Calls and tells her boyfriend. He gets on a plane, flies to California on Monday. Rushes to the church, storms into the pastor's office, screaming vulgarities, yelling, you can't have this woman. She is Satan's woman and she's my woman and you can't have her. And the pastor was so afraid of physical violence that he told the man where the girl was staying. As he screams more vulgarities out the office, he turns and says one thing. Just tell me this. Tell me you didn't baptize her, did you? And the pastor said, yes, I baptized her myself yesterday morning. All the color went out of his face. And he said, well, it's too late then. I can't touch her now. And he got on a plane and went home. Because darkness understands. It is limited by union with Jesus Christ. And that's why no one in the New Testament ever said, do I have to get baptized? But the question was, why can't I be baptized right now? They were as eager as this young man I want you to see. 
this morning uh, who have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord, and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He had been waiting a long time. He got tired of waiting. Paul would have appreciated that. Because when he was on trial before a Roman official, he gave his testimony of how he came to faith. He talked about seeing Jesus, being blind. He talked about Ananias showing up. And here's what Ananias said to him. He said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Wash your sins away, calling on his name. I'm talking to some people right now who've been waiting. And so I'm going to ask, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting because... You don't want to appear as though you're rejecting your parents' decision to dedicate you as an infant. And I know some of you were uh, taken to a church. You may have been sprinkled as a baby. I would argue that your now adult, mature decision to get baptized is not nullifying what your parents did. It's confirming it. They wanted to dedicate you to Jesus. And what you're doing now is you're putting the wedding ring on that dedication and saying, I am choosing Jesus for myself. You are honoring what your parents' prayer was. Are you waiting because you're afraid of water? I get that. Can I be honest? If you follow Jesus, there's going to be a lot of times He's going to ask you to do something where you're going to need courage. And every time, if you take a step of obedience, Jesus is going to give you the strength you need to obey. And I promise, we're not going to let anybody drown by faith this morning. Are you waiting because you're not sure you know enough? I get that. Did you know that everything in the Bible about baptism was written to people who've already been baptized? We spend the rest of our life understanding what it means to be united with Christ. I've been walking with Christ now for over 40 years. I'm still learning what it means. But I tell you, if you know that you're a sinner and you know you need a Savior, then you know enough to start following Jesus. And one more thing. Are you waiting because you weren't planning to get baptized? Nobody in the Bible was planning to get baptized. It was all spontaneous. Pentecost, they weren't planning. The eunuch wasn't planning. Saul wasn't planning. The jailer wasn't planning. They all heard and just immediately said, I'm going to do something about it. Because the Bible never says, when you discover Jesus, you should do something about it tomorrow. And we're ready. We got the towels, we got the shirt, we got the shorts, we got the scrunchies, we got the blow dryers. We are ready. There's only one reason to wait. And here's what it is. If you came to me and asked me to preach your wedding, and I found out you intended to be unfaithful, you said, oh yeah, I plan to cheat on my mate, but I just want to have a cool wedding. I wouldn't do your wedding. When I stood before a preacher next to Jamie and I put this ring on, I wasn't promising that I would be a perfect husband, that I'd never mess up, that I didn't have a lot of growing to do. But I was promising I'll be loyal to you. 
I won't chase anybody else as long as you're alive. When you get baptized, you're not promising you're going to be perfect. But you are promising to pursue Jesus. It's a one-time response, but it starts a lifetime of responding. And right now, God is pulling at somebody's heart and inviting you to join the never-the-same story. And I hope you say yes, because it is the only story whose ending is unlimited. I want to pray over us, but I need everyone to stand up, please. And I'm just going to ask you, if you're uh, on the baptism response team, would you take your place right now? I'm going to pray for you, all of you that are up in the balcony, all in the back. From every part of this room, God's talking to somebody right now. So, Father, I'm asking in the powerful name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit will come and give us the courage we need today to be obedient to what your Spirit is calling us to do. I pray, God, that we will step out. We will answer the longing of your heart. We will join the Jesus story. Some need to rededicate themselves to that story. They haven't been as faithful to their pledge as they need to be. And some, God, right now, need to enter the story. They need to enter the water. So give them courage, Holy Spirit. Today is the best day to say yes to Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.